Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. On today's show, Dr. Henry Morris III, CEO of the Institute for Creation Research, will cover part four of a 10-part series on the six days of creation. Here's Dr. Morris. On the third day, God makes and shapes the planet Earth so that there's dry land, what we usually call dirt, and the seas. And in the process of speaking to the dirt, he told it to produce grass and herbs and trees. All of this was designed in some way to be a food source for the life that was later to come. Now, these plants are not simple. There's no hint anywhere, either in science or in the Scripture, that reproducing plants are the same as earth or dirt. The vast difference between dirt and grass, for instance— and the stunning molecular makeup of reproducing biology is logarithmically beyond the molecular simplicity of dirt and rock. The complexity of cellular structure and exceedingly sophisticated energy conversion and mechanisms, like photosynthesis, far surpasses the soil in which Earth produce lives out its cycle. To begin with, none of the dirt formations reproduce. Some grow, like crystals and stalactites and stalagmites, etc., but they do not adapt to any environmental changes that can and do reproduce like plants. Rocks don't rock. They sit still for a very long time. Plants rock. They sway to the wind. They move in relationship to the sun. They even respond to sounds and atmospheric pressure. Yes, rocks can be pretty, but plants are beautiful. The Lord Jesus said that even the most wealthy and glorious king that ever lived was not clothed like the beauty of the lilies of the field. God introduced a phrase on day three that is used ten times in Genesis chapter one, an additional seven times speaking of the animals at the time of Noah's flood, and another thirteen times in Leviticus and Deuteronomy defining the specific types of animal sacrifices and flesh that were suitable to eat. Evidently, that concept is important. He said, I want you to reproduce after your kind. Now, I've got to be careful here. The Hebrew word for kind is not the same as species. Species are man-made divisions based usually on reproductive isolation or location or ecohabitat or something like that. But in the Bible, it's much, much broader, perhaps even family or genus in our man-made systems of classification, what God was doing when he introduced the food system for the earth was introducing an ability to reproduce within defined limits. Roses do not become petunias. Fruit trees don't grow backward into grass. They may start out really, really small. Even the Lord Jesus used the illustration of the mustard seed that was the smallest and simplest of all of the seeds, but grew up into an enormous tree. 
Yes, the complexity of these beautiful, marvelous food sources are absolutely stunning, but something makes them reproduce within limits. A lot of work has been done on this, both in secular science in the field of botany, as well as by creationist scientists. We have a couple of guys on our own staff that are doing an awful lot of work in this, trying to understand the programmic system. We now usually call that the DNA, or perhaps including the metabolic processes that are involved, that make a rose a rose, and a petunia a petunia, and a pear tree a pear tree. But this after-its-kind concept is really pretty critical. So when God simply said, earth, produce, sprout, grow, grass, and herbs, and trees, he was issuing a verbal command, probably included with the enormous omnipotent and omniscient thought process of the Creator God that would make and shape dirt into something as beautiful as a rose or as luscious as a delicious apple. Those processes we know so little about, but the concept is enormously significant. It is introduced at the plant level here, but it's also introduced at life level. Something separates between the food sources of plants and the living sources of animals and man. Something separates between that which is consumable, just complex dirt, really, and that which is alive and functioning and has its own consciousness and ability to respond. These things we're still studying very carefully and trying to understand whole branches of science. Indeed, whole universities have sprung up trying to deal with the understanding of these mechanisms. When God uses the phrase, after its kind, it sounds so simple. But it's really, really an important concept. Perhaps we can look at it a little bit more carefully when we try to understand how God organizes and programs these simple food sources he calls the sprouts of the earth. We're going to take a short break. Dr. Morris will have more on this important topic in a moment. What happened to the dinosaurs? Are monkeys and people the same? Why do we live on Earth and not some other planet? Kids have some great questions about God's creation, but do you have the answers for them? At the Institute for Creation Research, our scientists and Bible scholars have produced The Guide to Creation Basics. This book contains full-colored images and fascinating commentary from experts in biology, geology, astronomy, and biblical study. Guide to Creation Basics can help teach your children how the animals could fit on Noah's Ark, how dinosaurs and humans could live at the same time, and how God's power and wisdom can be seen in something as small as a single cell. Find basic answers to your child's biggest creation questions. Order your copy of Guide to Creation Basics from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting www.icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Morris. 
One of the things that God identifies on this third day is that all of the plants on the third day were to have seed embedded in them within the very nature of the plant itself, and all the subsequent yielding of that seed, that is the reproduction, was to be according to its kind. Everything we know about the biology of plants verifies this simple statement. The biological structure and nature of any given earth product is contained within the cellular information of that specific plant. That very complex internal information assures us that an apple tree will not produce kumquats and that a rose, however broadly expressed, will never become a petunia. When we lived in California, my wife loved roses, and we had 67 different varieties of roses in our yard. I know, because I dug the holes for every single one of them. But there were big roses, and small roses, and red roses, and black roses, and smelly roses, and roses didn't smell at all, but they were never anything else other than a rose. In fact, the Lord Jesus said much later, every tree is known by its own fruit. Men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. We know this by everyday experience. Things that are in existence tend to stay in existence. They don't change from one kind of a plant into another kind of a plant or from one animal into another animal. Not everybody agrees just what the Hebrew word for kind means. It's the Hebrew word men, it's usually pronounced. Its biblical use is mostly applied to living things, everything from grasshoppers to cattle. It probably is not limited to our biological term species. It could apply to genus or perhaps to family. But scientific studies are complex and have not yet provided enough precision to determine with any certainty where men begins or ends. However, one thing really is sure. There's absolutely no proof of a common ancestor to all living things. What is absolutely certain as far as observation is concerned, and please remember that science is based on what we can observe and test and reproduce in another test and even understand well enough to know what would make us wrong, as far as our observation is concerned, Every plant and every animal reproduces only after its kind. Each has its own DNA that can only direct the reproduction of the same kind. There's no indication that a fish can become a duck or that an algae can become a cow. None. Nothing. The informational changes are so fast that no amount of random mutations could ever innovate the huge structural changes necessary to the cellular data. Written within these informational instructions of every reproductive kind are multiple languages for unique needs, backup systems and timing increments and master blueprints and cross-checks that verify the proper connections. The more we begin to discover these genetic instructions, the more complex and design-intensive the information becomes. Randomness and purposelessness are hardly the words to apply to the Creator's order after its kind. Animals do adapt, but that adaptation ability 
is within the reproductive seed of that which exists. The kind surely does have the information necessary within the gene pool to adapt to environmental conditions. Plant and animal breeders take advantage of this phenomenon all the time, but they use the information already available in the plant or animal, the DNA, and then the breeder, the intelligent humor, selects the characteristics that he decides. Natural processes do not select anything. Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you. All of this and more at icr.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to Science, Scripture, and Salvation on iTunes. Also, do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us. Thanks for listening, and God bless.